Well, what a game it was on Saturday night live at the KeyBank Center where the Buffalo Bandits, I mean, this was probably the oh, one of the biggest blowout wins that I've ever seen the Bandits have in a live you know, KeyBank Center, uh, you know, buy a ticket and actually sit down and watch the game in the, in the arena. Final score was Bandits 17, Philadelphia Wings 5. We predicted it was going to be a shootout. I was kind of right about the Bandits part of them scoring more than 15 goals, but the Wings were shut down to only five goals. And like you said before we went on the air, absolute destruction. My name's Trevor Howard, and across from me is Tony LaMonica, a.k.a. BoxN98TL, bringing you another post-game episode of Banditland Boulevard. Tony, you were there, so was I. I moved from 307 down to Section 100. I was on ESPN Plus. I was on the Jumbotron, which was awesome, after Chris Cloutier's goal, which was a fantastic goal, by the way. But how are you feeling now that, that the Bandits are 10-1 and and that they're streaking this much? I almost had to call the cops because I thought the team got raped. I mean, really, the Wings just got – I just thought, like we both predicted, we were expecting a close game. But, my God, this offense is so dangerous out there. You can't stop anybody the way how the whole game plan was even though we gave up the first goal again and then we just started getting into our rhythm and it just did not look back since it was unbelievable how every single player on that roster just contributed points and got the goals we needed and we called out a lot of the players that needed to step up and again they did and look what the outcome came it was an unbelievable blowout that we never thought it we would expect 17 goals from the bandits and only containing our opponents to just five un freaking real. And we beat them by an even dozen. Matt Vince was outstanding. Philadelphia really just couldn't get a rhythm going that. And now they're five and seven, six in the East and the bandits are 10 mm-hmm. and one and first in the East. And yep. I mean, you just look at every single player on the score sheet, like the, everybody contributed. Chase Frazier scored. Dane Smith scored. Ethan O'Connor got an assist. Nick Weiss got an assist. Tahoka Nanakoke had a fantastic game. Ian McKay had a, had a nice goal. Um, you know, Corey Small had a couple with Philadelphia, which was kind of cool to see at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, he scored two out of their five goals. But, um, you know, Chris Cloutier making great plays. Connor Fields getting on the score sheet. Philadelphia pulling their goalie and bringing in Angus Goodleaf and the Bandits still scoring a couple on him because they mm-hmm. wanted to run up the score. I mean, from start to finish, it was it was a fantastic game. Um, the first quarter was a little bit low scoring, so I really did not see a 17 to five outcome coming, after, mm-hmm. as it was two to one after one, and then five to two, or uh, excuse me, six to two after two. And the game mm-hmm. ended 17 to five. I mean, the goals just started rolling in, in the second half. Uh, but w- what else can you really say other than total domination from the guys in the black and orange? Yeah, just right off after uh, Philadelphia scored their first goal, um, then the Bandits kind of like said, "Okay, I think we kind of like gave them a heads up." So now we're gonna just start doing our thing and attack, 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 uh, scoring five straight unanswered goals um, after they scored first. And then let's talk about highlight reel after highlight reel. We're aware, like this week had to be about National Lacrosse League's best goals ever this season. And a few of them were, especially with Chase Frazier's one-handed goal. To Absolutely. Start Absolutely. Unreal. It was like unreal. And then especially with, like you said, the around the 
going around town goal by Chris Cloutier in the fourth against uh, Angus Goodleaf, and then Josh Burns behind the back goal. My goodness gracious, man. These guys are just absolutely ridiculously sick. And the fact that, yes, I know Higgins had um, just – no defense at all helping him out whatsoever, just facing super amount of shots, especially like Vino um, again, but having the good old captain back in that lineup, he was complete shutdown mode. He was making sure everyone was on their, on their, uh, on their terms and doing what they do best and play defense so well. And especially again, keeping the opponents under the eight goal, like goals against average mark for Vince. And my God, that's the, I think that's the lowest I've seen Matt Vince allow in a game ever. I've seen lacrosse play. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just going to go after the first thing you said about like the highlight real goals, taking oh a God. look at like Josh. I mean, you couldn't even choose like, what would have been on the ESPN top 10? Impossible. I mean, Josh Burns was great. Chris Cloutier, like, you can debate which one you thought was better. I mean, they are both kind of behind the back. Chris Cloutier was just trying to get something on net to reset the shot clock, I think, or just you know, to, you know, reset the clock and get possession back, but it went in the net. Josh mm. Burns knew exactly what he was doing. He decided to take a shot, and it went in. Um, I mean, Chase Frazier's, like, Oh my goodness. That that was the first goal of the game, by the way, where he had one hand on a stick uh, to put it in the back of the net. That was a great goal. So you really couldn't choose a number one goal. I think the nicest goal from where we were sitting in section 100, I I would go with Josh Byrne personally with the, Mm. like the biggest highlight real goal of the night, but everybody, like everyone on the roster contributed. I feel, I feel like every line got, you know, a bunch of action, whether it was on the scoring sheet assists or, you know, just, you know, goals being scored in general. And I'm going to go with the second part that you said. And Matt Vince, I really don't remember the last time he he gave up five goals or less. Um, mm. I think this has to be, like, one of his, like, statistically one of his best games in a Buffalo Bandits uniform. And I can get you the exact stat real quick. He made 50 saves out of 55 shots. And yep. the Bandits were absolutely perfect on the power play. He went two for two. Refs really weren't calling much that that night, which I really didn't have a problem with because they kind of just let you know both teams play. So you yep. know, hats off to those guys. Um, and Philadelphia was 0 for 1 on the power play, and the Bandits were perfect on the penalty kill. So whether you're looking at the score sheet, you're looking at the penalty kill, you're looking at the power play, you're looking at the assists, you're looking at the passing, I can't find one negative about this game. Mm-mm, not especially with the orange and black. They just clicked. Everything clicked. The offense clicked. The transition was doing well. Besides, uh, again, we're still talking about the faceoffs, and I know Baptiste and Max were uh, battling it out, and that's the only penalty we got was uh, Max Adler taking down Trevor Baptiste on that hold. But again, really, I mean, just the all-out effort, just from start to finish, Max starting with the faceoffs, offense clicking and scoring their goals because our offense is absolutely lethal out there. Our defense shutdown mode, like nothing was getting by Matt Vince. Um, but if like, again, cause they scored five, they still made the minor adjustments to change the ways of how they were have to handle their offense. Again, shutting down big names like Crowley, small Rambo Matisse. I mean, yes, that's, that's hard to do for any given level of a defense to shut down some of the high scoring offense that they have. And they averaged uh, 40 points per player on the opposite side, but they closed them out to five goals. My God, are you kidding me? That's 
I don't know if you uh, how what kind of level of impressiveness that you can say, but good lord, A plus plus. That's basically it for the defense and the goaltending, especially for the bandits out there in that game. No, I was absolutely impressed because I mean that is an understatement of the year right there. Because I watched the week prior and I'm like, hmm, Albany took them to overtime, almost lost that game. Philadelphia mm-hmm. arguably has more weapons that could score more efficiently. I mean, well, this isn't taking anything away from like Reza Terrence or Ryan Benesh or any of those guys, but mm-hmm. on paper, like Philadelphia, I mean, they have more players, more depth players that can, you know, get them farther in the season, which I was kind of worried about. I'm like, man, if we took these guys to overtime, this, this might be another extremely close game. And then game day rolls around and then like you see the, you know, 11,000 plus in the, in the stands and you pretty much knew right then and there you had that gut feeling the bandits are not losing this game, but it could be pretty mm-hmm. close. And you saw what happened in the first half, six to two. Hey, it's still re- relatively close. Four goals in mm-hmm. lacrosse is kind of nothing. You can score four goals in two minutes in lacrosse and tie up the game. But to win by 12 and to double up or to at least, what, triple the amount of goals you were up by at halftime mm-hmm. – going from where well, you were up by four at halftime and then you won by a dozen. I mean, to, to go in that second half and do that and win how you did, that was probably the most important or the, the most impressive part of this game that the mm-hmm. bandits were doing exactly what we were saying. Shoot from all angles, take some crazy shots, you know, unleash the, the playbook a little bit, you know, take, Trick shots, do whatever you have to do. The bandits were finding the back of the net just by shooting the ball, and that is what's important. And I think this game, more than any other game this year, is is one of those example games where, hey, you see what happens when we shoot the ball? Good Mm -hmm. things happen. Goalies get pulled, and we win games by 12. Yeah, surprisingly how we outshot our opponents, even though it was close, 59 to 55 in the total shot count. Uh, Buffalo had 59, of course, Philadelphia with 55. Uh, Vince, again, lockdown mode. My God, shutting it down. There was nothing getting by Matt Vince, and he was just seeing everything, every angle possible because the defense was talking to him, especially having Steve Priolo back being that big, tall uh you know, pushing his weight around and again, just letting Vince play his game. And that's exactly what's so dangerous about these guys this year is, but especially going 10 and one after that loss, I think that was their wake up call. And again, um, especially now with the, the week off coming and then the two most important games this season coming up uh, March 26th and 7th against Halifax, especially they know what to expect. They know it's going to be who's going to be the best of the East. And right now the bandits are showing why they're the best in the East. And because they have a game plan, they set it in motion and they set their own pace. And that's why Johnny Tavares and I hate, and I'm not hate, but I love preaching about this almost every single time as every Bandits fan would. Follow the leader. I will lead you to the promised land. And that's what Johnny T is showing these guys. And that is exactly what he's doing because he already has four rings as a player. You know how much mm-hmm. he wants to get one as a head coach? You know how much Dane Smith wants to get one? He knows yep. what it's like. Josh Burns knows what it's like. Chase Frazier, uh, Ian McKay, they know what it's like to win it on an, on an outdoor level. They know what it's mm-hmm. like to win a championship ring like like the PLL Chaos did in the past summer. They yep. they know what that feeling is, but they don't they don't know, you know, the feeling of raising another banner in the rafters of the Key Bank Center. 
They don't know mm-hmm. what it feels like to win a ring in the National Lacrosse League. They've been guys like Dane Smith. They, he's been to two championship games or two championship series, and he's 0 for 2. So, you know, you they also have that chip on their shoulder. This is the, like one of the most complete Bandits teams I've ever seen. And, I mean, I, I've never really seen a Bandits team that really squash their opponent the way they do. I mean, when they're up by six or seven, they kind of just start to bleed out the – the, the shot clock because most of the time it's in the fourth quarter. They're just trying to kill time, but still mm. up by nine, up by 10, up by 11 goals. They're still shooting the ball and they're still scoring. So it's almost like they're breaking the unwritten rule a little bit by running up the score. And it's like, if you don't like it, well, that's too damn bad. You got to stop us next time. Yeah, that wasn't a game. That was a statement, the way the Buffalo Bandits played against Philadelphia. And then when they have to go to Philadelphia, now they know what to expect. They know we're dangerous. They know we're capable of scoring uh, double-digit goals almost every game. They have to figure us out, and they better do it quick because they are going to sink right to the very bottom of the uh, of the standings if they don't do something fast. So that being said, um, I think what the bandits are going to be expecting, even though they're taking a break, but don't take it easy. You keep that foot on the gas pedal and you have to look forward to uh, Halifax twice in a row, especially with having that four games in eight days. That's going to suck. And I know it's going to be hard on the guys because of the fact that you're going to have to stay healthy. You're going to have to stay conditioned and you have to maintain that momentum, especially going up against like these last seven games are going to be challenges through the roof and you guys have to be ready for it. That's all I can tell you. Absolutely. I mean, four, four games in eight days, that's like equivalent to playing two football games in under a week, like in the NFL Mm -hmm. by the amount of physicality, the amount of conditioning and preparation. And the fact that, that you have that thought in the back of your mind, do I really want to make that extra play or do I want to risk getting injured and stuff like that? That's all going to play into effect you know, during the next coming weeks when you're facing, you know, at least the back-to-back games against Halifax, including a Mm 1 o'clock p.m. matinee game, which is definitely going to be interesting to see as well. Um, It wouldn't have been this way if if Canada didn't have that COVID outbreak in January. We would have already had to play that game, and who knows, the Bandits could be 11-1 right now, or they could be 10-2, one of those two options. But they, nonetheless, if if that whole scenario never happened in Canada – this would be a lot less stressful on the guys, which I'm still kind of kicking myself about. Like, I really wish that they pushed that game till the end of the year and, mm. you know, right before playoffs start. So maybe the bandits already clinched their spot. And that's kind of a game that they don't really have to necessarily worry about. They can rest some of their starters, but they threw it right in the middle of the season. And that's just something that they have to deal with. Um, and you know what? I, I think that, you know, this team is resilient. This team is versatile and they know how to, you know, handle this kind of stuff. But, you know, just getting back into this game, this game's a perfect example of what they can do over the next week or two when they play those four goals and or those four games in eight uh, in eight days. They can score all these goals. This is almost like a little trial run in a way. Like, hey, we scored 17 here. Maybe we can score 14 the next game. And then mm-hmm. some of those goals can bleed into the next game. And some of those goals can bleed into the next game because this game is all about momentum. And if you can score 17 goals, against a team like the wings, which you were, you know, expected to, I think the bandits on the money line, they were favored by one and a half to two goals. Um, Vegas favored in one and a half to two goals. They beat them by 12. So I think the bandits are, you know, 
maybe just taking this as motivation saying, Hey, we're going to shoot our shot. And if they don't like it, well, too bad. They can stop us. This is our little trial run for the next, you know, bunch of games we have to play within a, a week, week and a half span. Well, what the bandits need to do too, before the having the four games in eight days, they need to rest up. They need to, um, you know, stay healthy and, you know, keep this roster the way it is. I mean, I really shouldn't, in my humble opinion, should not change a thing. Everything is clicking. This is the, what you want to go with going towards uh, the end of the season and going towards playoffs. You want nothing to change. If it's not like Johnny Tavares says on his interview, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right on. So hopefully, so hopefully that stays true because again, this could be the test for the Buffalo bandits. Um, you know, to like not get hurt, not, um, not take time off. This is where it's crunch time. Now guys, these last seven games are crunch time. These are very, very crucial, especially with six out of the seven remaining in the East. And that is two first Halifax. Obviously you got your rematch in Philadelphia. Then your only Western game is that Saturday against Colorado. And then it's back to playing the riptide swarm and to finish off the rock. And it's going to be interesting because this is one of the first years in a long time that the Bandits have not faced or hosted, you know, teams like the Colorado Mammoth or teams like the Rush. So that's, I mean, that's that's kind of a weird feeling. We're not faced against the Seals. So we really don't have that Western team exposure other than, I don't know, maybe the Calgary Roughnecks where we handled them pretty well, beat them 16-7, to 7, I believe, in week one of the season. That was before mm-hmm. we actually started this show. But – I also think that that's kind of a weird thing because, you know, the bandits going into the postseason, they haven't really been exposed to that Western, you know, conference type of play. So when they go to the championship, it's going to be all new for them, um, you know, when they're facing against that Western conference team. But I don't think it's anything that they can't handle. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. they've already beaten Calgary, the, the reigning champs technically beat them by nine goals at home and the home opener. And, you know, you see the West, some of these teams are kind of starting to struggle a little bit other than like San Diego, who's starting to pick it up. But mm-hmm. you know what? Those games are crucial and uh, we're going to cover them for you right here on this show. You better believe it. Everybody that's listening to this episode of Banditland Boulevard right now, you know that we got you for these next coming games for the pregame and post games and whatever you guys want to hear. Um, and you know what? Let's get into some crazy stats real quick. If any of you guys sure. are ready, I don't know if anyone listening saw the official box score stats on here. Um, but we're just going to run through these crazy numbers real quick. Tahoka mm-hmm. Nanakoke led the way in goals for the Bandits, scoring five to Corey Small's two uh, with Philadelphia. A familiar, fla- a familiar face, Blaze Reardon, got the most assists for the Philadelphia Wings with three. And Dane Smith, oh my God, got 10 assists 10 apples on the night and everyone in our section when we were watching the post-game interview with chris swenson after the victory lap when he said that he didn't get one he didn't get five but he got 10 assists everyone in our session just gasped for a second and then we're like you know what this is dane smith we should we we really shouldn't be surprised but this is impressive so we're going to give him a standing ovation 10 Mm -hmm. assists for for the great dane smith absolutely excellent job Zach Higgins stopped 41 shots to Matt Vince's 50 saves. Outstanding night from Matt Vince. Another night where he gets 50-plus saves. Um, Trevor Baptiste and Ian McKay actually led the way evenly within loose balls. They each 
got an even dozen loose balls. Same with Anthony Joakim and Justin Martin, who each caused two turnovers respectively for each team. Going into that right away, the the two stats that you know what three stats that stick out. Tokanana Coke scoring five. You predicted mm-hmm. that he was going to have an ultimate breakout game like he's never had before. I think that was mm-hmm. arguably one of his best nights as a Buffalo Bandit in his young career so far. The second stat, Dane Smith with 10 assists, double-digit assists, putting up Mark Stainhouse, 2008 numbers. We all love seeing that. And obviously looking at Matt Vince once again getting 50-plus saves stopping 50 out of 55 this dude's almost perfect yeah you can't believe how the like again the defense it determines the goaltender and you know what with having the captain back in the lineup that was huge the leadership was there the the game plan was there and having him control the field and letting these guys know what to do respectfully made matt vince even better than before. And again, it feels like kind of like how the Matt Vince, we know that we were against all those years. Like we've seen him just unbeatable. You can't score past him and just impossible to shatter the wall of the glass. And it was just basically solid as a rock. And that was how Matt Vince played. Once he was dialed up, he was locked in. There was no way you could score any type of double digit, goals and especially his goals against average or match it it was just under the goals against average that he had which was 8.11 and having it kept under three by three that's that's beautiful i mean no every goaltender would dream to even have a shutout at that moment just to allow only five that's impressive as heck and you got to remember that with the defense doing their job the goaltender does his and that's how matt vince was very impressive that game having 50 of 55 and the weird thing about it, like just looking at this box score, you would have never thought that Philadelphia was even close to even getting a lead in this one. They took the one nothing lead. They took the one nothing lead in the first quarter. And then fast forward a couple hours later, the Bandits win by, you know, an even dozen. So mm-hmm. that is the crazy thing about the game of lacrosse. And then ever since Matt Vince let in that first goal, he was pretty much just on point the rest of the way. I mean, he gave up a, a couple goals that, that were just, in, you know, you can't stop them all. That's virtually impossible especially in the Mm -hmm. game of box lacrosse where it's super fast and everyone's shooting, you know, multiple shots, 50 plus shots a game. It's nearly impossible to get a shutout in the national, uh, national lacrosse league. But the next best thing has got to be, you know, not giving up more than five goals. I don't know if Matt Vince has ever done this in his career. He could have done this against us when he was in Rochester, you know, beating, beating the, the really good bandit teams at home. And, you know, we've been to those heartbreaking games where they lose to Rochester and it's Matt Vince on the other side, but we welcomed him in with open arms, and he's been nothing but fantastic to our team and to the fans. And let's can we can we just talk about Dane Smith a little bit? I mean, sure. I said it's gonna take the world's biggest fire truck to put this guy out because he was <laughs> he was red hot going into this game, and it's still boiling in. You know, to the second half of the season. You know, he. I, I, I don't want to say that he had a slow start to the season, but he really wasn't putting up Dane Smith numbers in the beginning. Fast forward to the second half of the season, and he is just, you know, going back to the 2016, 2019 Dane Smith. 
Yeah, unbelievable that now he is the top scorer in the National Lacrosse League with the points that he has put up. He just surpassed Joe Rezateritz on that note. But again, still leading the league in assists. Wonder why he has 10 that one game alone. And not to cut off Dane Smith for a second, but Josh Byrne, again, matching his career best with eight also. That helps that you got leaders like that that can that know how to spread the field out, that know they can trust their teammates. And again, they don't have to do all the scoring. Uh, combined with uh, Dane Smith and Josh Byrne only getting three out of the 17 goals, that's okay because you rely on your other teammates like Tahoka, you rely on Connor, you rely on Chris, you rely on Chase, you rely on uh, Ian McKay. I can name them all, but again, it's all about teamwork and they trust their teammates to a passion that they know that they can serve up so many assists. And again, like you said, with uh, posting Stainhouse's assist mode, absolutely. Oh my God. Dane Smith has been on fire recently. And so is everybody else that's been around him. Yeah. Again with Dane's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and one of those guys was named Tahoka Nanakote, but I, Mm -hmm. I I know that you have another comment about Dane Smith. So, you know, I'll let you lead off with that. And then we can get into Tahoka Nanakote's fantastic night. Absolutely. With Dane Smith, the way how he has been averaging points now, he has, let's see, eight, eight and 10. That's another 26 he has 36 points uh, or 20, almost 30 points in three games. That's an average of 10 per game. Unbelievable. What more can you ask from this guy? He's unreal when he sets foot on the floor and he just knows what to do every single step of the way. They got that whole game plan, that whole concept, and they just execute every single game that's why our offense is so damn strong and i'm and i know i'm trying to get not get too excited because i want to make sure that everybody is contributing but dane smith my god posting big time career numbers again what more can you ask from 92 but just feed the dog more no doubt. And if he's still hot, just force feed him the ball. Cause he's going to, mm-hmm. he's either going to find his way on the, on the assist sheet or yep. he's going to find his way on the scoring sheet. You know, he's one of those players that is very physical, gets a lot of assists, but also scores a lot of goals. So that's very right. good in that area. One player that did find the back of the net a lot to Hoka Nanakoke, and he's a rookie, by the way. We keep saying that on the show, but he plays like a seasoned pro, but he's only a rookie in this league. Still a professional, though, and you can't take that away from him. Scoring five goals, arguably having his best career night in his young Buffalo Bandits career. Yes, he has, because he's now here's a stat that you all should listen to how accurate this guy is five goals on eight shots. That is so dangerous. You don't have to be perfect, but if you're close to being perfect, this is the guy to have on your roster. He is so hand-eye coordinated sick. You don't know where he's going to shoot the ball. He is optimistic on every chance he gets and the goalies are so confused it's you could put the best of the game you could put del bianco you could put higgins you could put vince against him he is unpredictable that's why i'm so glad that the bandits got this guy on the draft and he has been posting not rookie numbers i'll mind you but getting to his prime that is dangerous for his first year that he is scoring at will and he is not stopping because these guys are feeding him too. And he's red hot right now. And that's another player who you don't stop 
giving the ball to, and that is number one to Hoka Nantico. Do not quit at what you're doing, buddy. You are proving yourself to be one of the best. And I am speaking out, out loud for everybody that you, sir, the years to come, you are hall of famer the way you're going right now. Yeah, with the way he's been scoring and the way he's just been tallying points in his rookie season, you mentioned his prime. I think that we haven't even seen his ceiling yet. He's still climbing up there. That's the scary mm-hmm. thing that other teams should take into account. And of course, he was our first, you know, first round draft selection. But when was the last time the Bandits picked a number, you know, in the first round? What kind of player was like this for them? You know, like not many. We've seen first round picks come and go with the Bandits. Tolkien mm-hmm. Anacoke's an outlier. Like he is a guy that's playing like a Josh Byrne, that's playing like a Chase Frazier. His footwork, his agility, his passing ability, his speed, his shot, it's all there. And he's he's in year one. It's his 11th week, for God's sake. It's his first Mm -hmm. season in his 11th week. We haven't, if, you know, if everything, if he stays healthy and everything goes to plan, he takes care of himself and, you know, he's he's hitting the gym and he's, he's taking care of his body, I'm with you. I think that, you know, we haven't even come close to seeing what his prime, you know, his figurative prime ceiling looks like. He's still no, climbing not up to that. He's still, he's not even off the runway yet. He's just speeding up. And we're not, you know, we're talking about his cruising altitude, you know, reaching his prime, how, you know, the farthest he's going to go. He hasn't even left the runway yet. Mm-mm. He's still ready to fly, but yet, you know what? He's still producing. He's he's helping this team out. He's taking those unnecessary battles, but he is getting pummeled sometimes. He is taking the shots. He's getting himself down where it gets dirty. He is making himself out there. He's making a name for himself. That's what I wanted to say. He is putting himself out there to put those pressure off the other guys so where he can open up a, uh, more shooting lanes or he can – uh, there's two on ones because they have to contain number one there. And then, you know what? The offense is going to just destroy any goaltender. Whoever is going to shoot the ball next. You can put anybody on the floor. Number one does that. He does put himself in harm's risk. But again, like you said, if he stays conditioned, he stays healthy. He is dangerous, flat out dangerous against anybody and he's a smash mouth he's a he's a bruiser you know it's almost Mm. like he wants to get down he wants to like feel what it's like to get hit with a slash or something he wants he likes the dirty part of of the game of lacrosse you know he likes to get down he likes to you know he likes to get in the physicality of it all and that's a that's a thing that i really like and you know when you look at like the at uh at the Native American style of outdoor lacrosse, you know, that he mm-hmm. was exposed to growing up, I, you know, and guys that have come in through this organization like Bucktooth and Paulus and Vice, they all have that chip on their shoulder where they want to be physical, they want to be agile, and they were all great shooters. Yes. That is something that Tahoka has, you know, been developmenting and, you know, that and then some. You know, you look at how great of a player Roger Vice was and Delby Paulus was and Brett Bucktooth was, but have any of those players from that native American descent have that, like the wicked outlying shot that Tahoka has? Mm, I don't know. That's, 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 that's a big I mean, question. I don't know. That's, 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 that's up in the air. Cause that could be anybody to be exact. But I mean, again, like you said, Tahoka is just the all around player you want on your team. And I'm so glad that the bandits drafted him and, 
again, it is just because of how smart our GM is, how our coach leads him and teaches him. And then he just listens and he just adapts and he just goes with the flow. And again, he is proving himself game after game after game, how good number one really is with the orange and black. That is correct. And then, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, getting down and getting, you know, being that bruiser, this, the smash mouth type of guy real quick, before we get into our third star that, you know, we are recording this on Tuesday, March 15th. And earlier this morning, we found out about a familiar face, a, a bruiser in, in himself. You know, we're right here, right in the middle of the NLL trade deadline, sort of on the back end right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Bandits did lose one of their members, number 15, Brent Noseworthy, to, to the Riptide, the New York Riptide, in exchange for a first-round pick. So mm-hmm. I'm going to miss Brent Noseworthy from his physical standpoint. You know, he didn't take crap from anybody. He was a great Brent. fighter. You know, he was a great hitter, physical player. Great, You know, he was great at passing. Uh, not very much on the score sheet a lot, but, you know, mm-hmm. he was very respective in his, you know, in his time in, in Buffalo. But the fact that the Bandits got another first-round pick, and you look at the record that that New York has this year. Mm-hmm. Tony, the Bandits, you know, we, we, might, we, we may be losing Noseworthy, which is kind of a bummer, but right. we might be having another high draft pick. And who knows? The Bandits looking great right now. They could go to the championship. They hit, they can maybe even win the championship. And they can still have a very high draft pick. To build yeah, up that would definitely be, yeah, that would definitely be great, uh, especially having possibly another one like Tahoka Nanakok is. Um, but that's not going to be for another couple of years, uh, not until 2024. Right on. So, but like, you know, this, this team is stacked. This team is built for four, five, six years. So when you yeah. add that first rounder in 2024, I believe it was, you mm-hmm. don't, you know, you're fine. The, the depth on this team is great. But another question was, who's going to fill in for him for the next couple of years? Is it Storos? Is it LaRue? No one, is it, is it Brad McCauley? You know, we, we really don't know. But, you know, that that's what's going to be the interesting part about this because, you know, the Bandits were kind of throwing him in the face-off situations, and then they brought in Max Adler. So, like, okay, how are they going to use Brent Noseworthy? We'll put him out on this line. Oh, he's not really producing. But he's very physical, so we can put him out on defense for a little bit. I feel mm-hmm. like the Bandits made this move because, number one, they wanted another first-rounder. Number two, they really just didn't have a lot of places to stick this guy. And, you know, they already loaded up their – what was it? They're, they can only scratch three players, I believe it was. Uh, yeah, they, I believe They've so. already loaded that up, so they really don't know where you know where they can stick Brent Noseworthy. He's just not a perfect fit on the team. I think he's going to do just fine in you know in New York because the one thing that they were lacking, you know, they have players that can score, they have players that can play defense, but they're not physical. They get bullied, they get pushed around. Brent Noseworthy mm. is one of those players that's going to be a in you know. A stable, a staple player in the Riptide organization. He's gonna have, he's gonna have an active roster spot every single game. So I'm happy for him. That was just the one thing they were lacking, and you know I think he's gonna enjoy his time there. He's gonna, he's gonna turn that team into a tough physical mentality type team. Yeah, he'll definitely bring their defensive pressure, uh, especially with the physicality that Brett Noseworthy does present. Um, yeah, it sucks to see him go. And again, for giving up for a first rounder, that could lead to more success for more years to come for the Buffalo Bandits. But again, for Brett Noseworthy to now 
feel like, hey, I can be more active, I can get my games in, and then the more I play, the more better I become. And again, we're going to miss number 15. Um, it's going to suck not having the other big guy uh, – bring the physicality and possibly defending your players. But again, with the way how this roster is set up, he just really didn't get a chance to get his time in. So again, they probably did what's best for Brett and he's just going to, he's accepting it. He's still playing lacrosse, but with another team and good luck to you again, uh, Mr. Noseworthy with the New York riptide. We will be seeing you back in Buffalo. Uh, Absolutely. In April, so we will see how that goes. Um, we don't hate you, but we we definitely want to let you know that we wish you the best in your career. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think my first game watching him, you know, after he got drafted by the Bandits, he got into a fight and beat the piss out of some Rochester Nighthawk or Toronto Rock or somebody like that that was pushing mm. Sean Evans around. I think that mm. was right before the uh, – or not Evans. It was Corey Small, I think it was, who switched to number 15 at the time. And this mm. is when Noseworthy – wore number 45 after he got drafted. And I think maybe a Toronto rock player was pushing him around. This was that during that huge winter storm in 2020, right before the world shut down. And there was uh -huh. probably 6,000 fans at that game, but some, Ooh. some, I don't know if it was Hellier or Schreiber, somebody was pushing, uh, Corey small around and like, you know, just trying to intimidate him and then knows where they dropped the gloves and got a 10 minute misconduct in the first quarter. I'm not sure if, if you remember that from 2020, but you know, that was one of my, fondest memories of watching him play but yeah I, I think the one thing about you know the noseworthy trade that I'm very impressed with is number one the bands get a first round pick out of it number two mm -hmm. they still have players that can fill in his role since this depth on this team is so deep you can bring up LaRue you can call you can you know you can ha make McCulley a full-time guy you can make Jordan Storos a full-time guy even in that department in the physical enforcer type department you have depth there. You have depth on defense, mm -hmm. offense, goal scoring, goaltending, and also enforcing. You know who we also forgot about, uh, Mr. Trevor Hauer? Who? We forgot about Frankie Brown that we still Frank have on the Brown. roster. Oh, my we God. We still have him. Do not forget him, guys. I mean, folks, if you're still listening to this, we still have Frank Brown that we still have yet to see on the floor. He hasn't had a chance to play. Maybe this is his calling. Maybe he'll get a chance to be uh, out there with the guys and see what he can do. We haven't heard from him in a while. Maybe this might be a chance for him to step up and show us what he's got. But again, there are players before him, but maybe this might be the calling. We might see Frank Brown back on the floor. You can finally see Frank Brown. I mean, that is a name that I completely forgot. Um, but you know, Storos is a tough guy. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he does, he's not as tall. He doesn't have the same reach as he, as uh, noseworthy, but he's, that dude's damn tough. Same with McCulley. Mm -hmm. And not only is he tough, but he could also score goals. He could also play defense. Um, and then when you look at a guy like, like, like LaRue, we really haven't seen much out of him. So I'm going to be interested. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he's going to bring to the table. So good things coming first round pick coming in a couple of years. And mm -hmm. knows where he's going to have a change of scenery where he's going to get a roster spot every single night. So he can look at this as a promotion. Um, maybe not in the winning department just yet. I mean, you know, they're still trying to figure themselves out as far as mm -hmm. wins go. But when they, when they get over that hump, man, that I think the riptide versus bandit games are going to be damn fun to watch. 
Yeah, especially with how the outcome of the first game we played them, especially in New York, uh, no ended doubt. up being it was an 18 to 17 overtime, overtime win. Yep. And my God, that was dangerous itself watching. But when they come to Buffalo, it could be a difference or it could be the same. We don't know. We'll find out. But I also, before we do go continue to like the three stars of the game and such, I do want to say about the, the way the penalties were, even though it was four for the wings, two for the bandits. Um, a lot of people were telling me, especially in the game, when I'm sure you saw it too yourself, when Josh Byrne got cracked by Wagner. Saw that. It was only two minutes given. Yep. It should have been a major. Am I, am, folks, am I, if I'm wrong, let me know. Chime in on this uh, podcast and let me know if, if it should have been a five. Uh, when Josh Byrne was down, we all thought, oh, my God, we're holding our breaths going, Josh, please don't be hurt. God, we don't need 22 off the roster right now. But that should have clearly been a five. And I was I was screaming at the refs going, that should be five. I accepted that it was a penalty and all, but five minutes, guys. Anything to the head should be an automatic five, not two minutes. Good Lord, wake up on that call. No, I saw Johnny T standing on top of the bench, standing on top of the boards. I thought he was going to hop over and, and, and rip the ref a new one because mm. I was I was standing up in session 100 shouting, that's a five, multiple times. That was 100% a five-minute penalty. When you cross-check someone in the chin, in the head area, any mm-hmm. chance to like knock them out of playing time for a X amount of, you know, couple, you know, a couple weeks at least, you know, he was on the ground without his helmet. I thought the dude had a concussion, and then he came back. Who knows? Maybe he did have a minor concussion that really just didn't get evaluated. But, you know, you never want to see that out of a talented player like Josh Byrne, you know, get an absolute cheap shot like that. And then not ha- then not having the refs to, ha- you know, have your back and, you know, get control of the game instead of giving it a two-minute penalty. Of course, the Bandits scored on that power play, but, you know, it should have been an opportunity where they could score two power play goals within the five minutes to release him on right. what should have been a five-minute major. That was absolutely ridiculous. But outside of that... Tony, I liked the way that the refs were kind of just letting them go. I mean, it was a free-for-all that night. They really didn't blow the whistle for every single little ticky-tack thing like we've seen in the past. Outside Mm -hmm. of that Josh Byrne call, which they did call a penalty, but the only thing that we're complaining about is the length of the penalty, which is really not life or death at this point because Josh Byrne is fine. But for for the most part, I said on the pregame, the refs had to be good. They had to be on their game, and they were. And they really didn't have to make a lot of penalty calls. Right. And I, but still, again, I think any player given, it could be from the worst player to the best player. If any, if you get a shot to the head, you should be, they should be automatically five. And again, yes, I'm happy you guys called that and I'm glad you saw it. But again, a lot of, a lot of people, the fans in the stands were saying, we want five minutes for that. And we never got that. So we still got the power play. We still scored on the power play, which is okay. Like you said, going perfect two for two. Very impressive, guys. Um, Absolutely. But again, in just perspective of the sport and they know about the rules about taking the shots to the head. It's an automatic five. Right. Given. I don't, it doesn't have to be drawn blood. If you still take the shot to the head, like, like Tahoka has all season long and uh, chase Frazier and other players who go, you know, right to the net and get into that uh, high slot area, you're going to get hit. But if you're going to get hit, get hit below the neck shoulders, and down that's fine but anything to the head you gotta be careful and you gotta make those calls for five minutes regardless it even though if it comes against us we even know it's five minutes it's like yeah. oh god all right we got it we understand but damn it sucks to you know to get that kind of penalty at this time but again they should have called five minutes but 
after the game, uh, meeting up with the players afterwards, I did talk to Josh Byrne. He is doing okay. He This week probably is going to be the best thing for him to take the week off, to rest his head, and to make sure he's not a concussion protocol or whatnot. And we will find out if he is going to be playing uh, Saturday, March 26th against Halifax uh, at the Key Bank Center at 1 p.m. Really weird to have an early game, especially, but okay, whatever it's going to be. But again, folks, if you are listening, uh, from my perspective, when I talked with him, he seems to be just fine. So. We'll just let it at that. Good news there. And, uh, you know, he was out there getting a couple assists after the fact, too. So um, he was good enough to uh, continue playing, and he was good enough to uh, – I don't remember if he scored his highlight reel goal before or after that happened. I'm really drawing it was after. on that. It was, it was after. It was after the fact. Okay, so that's perfect. So he's clearly, you know, healthy enough to do – to make an ESPN top five goal. So. Mm-hmm. He should be good in a couple weeks, no doubt about that. But other than that, yeah. I really don't have any gripes about the officiating for once in my entire life, so that's good. Right. Um, I think with that said, let's get into our three stars of the game, and these should be a surprise to no one. Going from three mm-hmm. to one here, starting off at star number three. They're all Buffalo Bandits players. Starting off at star number three is Tohoka Nanakoke, five goals, one assist, six points, and technically the game-winning goal, even though they beat them by 12. He was the one that netted the sixth goal, to arguably, you know, get credited for the game-winning goal. Uh, Matt Vince was star number two, playing all 60 minutes, only allowing in five goals. Not getting any assists like we've seen Matt Vince do a couple times, which is impressive, getting an assist. He got zero assists, but he made 50 saves and uh, looked very, very comfortable in that net. And obviously the star number one, who had his post-game interview with Chris Swenson after the fact, Dane Smith, two goals, 10 assists, 12 points and a power play goal. No problem with this whatsoever. Yeah. I have no difference of any of the three because you could really say, or uh, actually there is one more player, even though uh, Josh Byrne had nine points that game, he had a goal and eight apples. But again, I, again, I can't be disappointed with the choice. You know, that's what the national lacrosse league chose. We can take it. It's kind of hard to choose from when at that point. I mean, 17 to 5, the whole team is basically contributing. It's kind of hard to only knock it down to three. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, you can pick your poison with, with these guys. But, you know, Dane Smith getting double-digit assists. Tahoka, the rookie, scoring five goals. And, of course, Matt Vince putting up one of his career best games. I think it was – I think that's probably the best – option for the national uh, lacrosse league to go with. And I don't have a problem with that at all, given the score Mm -hmm. and given the way that that game ended. And uh, you know, Tony, as you know, everyone that's listening to this podcast right now, Tony is the wrestling belt guy. We do this, (laughs) we do this segment after every Buffalo bandits win, who was your player of the game. And I alluded to this, like literally 10 seconds ago, I said, (laughs) The whole team contributed, so I have no idea how to knock this down. But you know what? I'm going to give my belt, the wrestling belt that he's going to sling over his shoulder after this one or wrap around his waist or be that undisputed guy. I'm going to say that it ha- I'm going to have to give my belt to no one else rather than the rookie, Tahoka Nanakoke to win that belt. And Tony, you're just putting your headset back on. I said, I'm giving it to Mr. Tahoka Nanakoke, a rookie looking like a seasoned pro without a shadow of a doubt. I love the fact that Dane Smith got 10 assists, but Dane, you're not a rookie anymore. 
We expect that we expect a stain house night out of you every once in a while. And you've been doing that the past three weeks. I have to give it to Tohoka. Yeah, especially with having five goals and eight shots. I mean, nearly accurate as hell. Um, and again, just highlight goal after changing the options of where he's going to shoot it, you know, confusing the goaltenders on the opposite side. He is just dangerous up and down the field. And you guys cannot stop this guy. It's just I got career highlight stats for this kid and he is not even in year two he's still in year number one he's again to me and to you trevor and i'm sure to everybody in bandit land guys he is rookie of the year let's just not say without a shadow anybody of a doubt. else without a shadow yep. of a doubt he is definitely the rookie of the year to us so that is an amazing pick i was gonna pick him too but you know what i'm gonna go out of the limb here it's not one of the three stars either wow you want to know what i'm gonna say yeah I'm going to say to the man who came back and led this defense to shutting him down to just five, C. Priolo, mister, you, sir, are my player of the game because Absolutely. you have brought the defense even higher than expectations to not only um, keep Vince's average low, but you've contained the, probably some of the best-named guys on the floor to only five goals allowed unbelievable steve the way the defense was set up is unbelievable you guys are awesome out there with the captain back in the lineup and just the presence of him being there like i feel like there's just a whole new motivation on the bench and on the field oh steve priolo is here the captain let's 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 make that extra hit let's do this extra thing just to like show him that we support our captain and he really is mm -hmm. a good cap just him being there alone he didn't have to be on the field just him being there, the defense is motivated enough to go out there and be like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna take this game by the horns and completely dominate it. So, I I definitely respect your pick. I honestly think Tahoka Nanakoke is, you know, my God, it has to be Rookie of the Year. So that's why I went with him and mm -hmm. his career best night and his young NLL career so far. But we have we of course here at Banditland Boulevard, we want to hear your players of the game. So when we drop this in the Bandit in the Bandits Mafia Facebook group. Leave in the comments below if you're if you if you've been you know grinding it out listening to this whole thing. We're almost pushing an hour here. Uh, we do appreciate it. We absolutely appreciate it, but we also want to hear from you guys. Who is your player? Don't be of the shy. Game? Who impressed you the most, and who are you looking forward to in this next matchup against Halifax? These next few games coming up, you know, that are all bunched into an eight-day span. So. The final score from this one, the Buffalo Bandits defeat the Philadelphia Wings in grand fashion by an even dozen final score, 17 to five at the KeyBank Center. We will be coming back to maybe we may be having a guest in the next couple of weeks, and then we'll hit you with mm -hmm. the preview in the post game for each of these next games. We'll be grinding those out right here at Banditland Boulevard. Of course, we'll be grinding those out. And Tony, you have your hand raised, so I'm going to let you say something real quick. Yeah, before we do close out the segment, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, a couple people really quick. Uh, first and foremost, to uh, my friend, Mitch Bagney. Happy birthday, by the way, today. Today is your birthday, no, uh, 37 years today. I just want to give a shout out to you, buddy. And to also, I want to give one more shout out, and that is to Max... Adler's dad, Matt Adler, 
Oh, yes. yes. And honored to have met you, sir. I hope we get to see you at more Bandits games now that that was your first experience at Box Lacrosse, how your son performed out there. And I'm sure you guys were laughing at the fact that when he took that penalty against Trevor Baptiste. But again, <laughs> it was an honor to meet you, sir. And I hope to see you there more and more at the Key Bank Center supporting Banditland and supporting your son, Max. I cannot wait to see you more at uh, the Key Bank Center to support the Bandits. So God bless you, sir. You are an awesome man. Thank you for having your son sign with the Bandits. And guys, um, I'll, obviously, we're going to be closing out the segment uh, with my friend Trevor Hauer. Obviously, this is Tony LaMonica, a.k.a. Boxhead98TL. Shouting out to all you guys. Please don't be shy. Call uh, message us, do whatever you can. We have a week. We could do reach out, prior reach before. out. We yeah. can do a week prior to do a questionnaire or about Trevor or myself. Guys, don't be shy. Leave the comments, post or anything you guys want to ask us. Please don't be shy. We want to hear from you. We want to uh, answer our answer your questions as much as possible, and we want to hit your intel about the bandits too as well. So if you got something we don't know, please chime in every now and then. We would love to hear from you guys. All right, so. Go ahead, Trevor. Close us out. I was going to say, and Tony, we need to both shout out ESPN Plus because you yes. were on. They featured you on TV in Albany, and then they featured <laughs> me great. on TV against Philadelphia after the Chris Cloutier <laughs> goal, which was absolutely outstanding. Um, we saw the Jumbotron guy, the camera guy, walk up to Section 100, and mm-hmm. that was like we saw him just walk right through the tunnel right after Chris Cloutier scored. I just had my hands on my head the whole time because I'm like. <laughs> How did that just go in? And then all of a sudden I look up at the Jumbotron and there's me up there. So I turn yep. around and I'm just acting crazy and stuff after they scored. But hey, shout ESPN freaking plus for that. Don't you yes, agree? Yes, we, we love you guys. Thank you for having uh, Box Lacrosse finally get on TV and to, like really expand our horizons on these guys because they deserve it. They don't get much credit for a lot of years that they've been on board. But again, this is a start to a brand new beginning and we can't thank you guys enough for doing that. And we enjoy watching Box Lacrosse on ESPN Plus way better than Bleacher Report Live because I'm going to take a shot at Bleacher Report Live here. That was the one of the worst streaming things I've ever had. It would always like <laughs> log us out and we'd never be able to watch it. We had like a free trial on it. It was stupid. ESPN Plus, it's one payment, I believe a monthly payment, and you get all the games and it's so easy to navigate. So thank you, ESPN Plus. Thank you for everyone listening. This has been another post-game episode of Banditland Boulevard brought to you by Anchor.fm. The Bants are 10-1, and one, and they destroyed, destroyed the Philadelphia Wings. Call 17- the cops! We're getting robbed! <laughs> <laughs> Call the cops. They won 17-5. to five. So with that said, we'll catch you uh, on the next one as before we host the matinee game against the Halifax Thunderbirds led Ooh. by coach, led by head coach Micah Kersey. So with that said, as always... Let's go Go Bandits. Bandits. Let's go.